grab your Bibles and let's turn to Exodus and let's get ready to dig in together. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for uh, what that night's going to mean to so many because we want to see people come and, and, and come to know you. And I know we have friends and family that we desperately want to have understand the reason for the season, to understand why we get so excited about Christmas and, and, and your birth and, and how you brought Jesus to us. I pray right now we wouldn't miss that. I pray that you would just touch us and move in us right now, that your spirit would open our eyes. I, I pray with Mary that as she prayed, Lord, that the spiritual blinders would come off uh, and that we would just open up and see you. So move, we pray. Touch, we pray. Reveal today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, we've been talking about experiencing God, and what we're going to be talking about now is really, really, really knowing Him. Uh, I don't know uh, if you uh, uh, have kind of tracked with me on that. Everything we've been digging into is about really, truly experiencing God through passion and prayer, through meditation, uh, through, through uh, acts of kindness. But you don't just do a kind thing. You do it with God and for God, and you start to experience Him and tune into Him that way. Sabbath uh, is about getting away to be with God for 24 hours and just experiencing Him and loving others. And then today, I want to talk about uh, uh, praying using God's name. Uh, really tuning into him in a very special way. Um, I don't know if you heard about the guy, though, that was uh, on his way to a date. And so he stopped at a huge supermarket. He's walking along. He's got his arms filled. And the pharmacist happens to be coming out of the counter. And he looks and he, he says to the young guy, he says, hey, um, do you need help? And he goes, no, 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 I've got everything. And he goes, well, you want me to help carry that? He, he goes, no, 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 I've got it. And the pharmacist said, well, that's kind of an odd assortment there. What's it for? So he walks over to the counter, lays it down, and shows them. He said to the pharmacist, he says, you know what? Uh, uh, tonight, I've got a date. It's the first date I've ever had with this girl. She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. And you know what? If the date goes okay, uh, at the end of the date, I'm going to give her this little box of candy and this flower. And he goes, oh, okay. He goes, but... If we go out on the date and she holds hands with me and cuddles with me and we go to the door and, and you know, she says she'll go out with me again, then I'm going to give her this medium box of candy and, and all these flowers. And, and he goes, but if we go out on the date and she holds hands with me and cuddles with me and says she'll go out again with me and we get to the door and she kisses me, and I mean really kisses me goodnight, well, I'm going to give her this big box of candy and flowers. The pharmacist goes, wow, you've got this down to a science. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that night, man, he's got all his stuff hidden in the back so she can't see which one's there. And, and he pulls up at her house and knocks on the door. She opens it and she said, hey. She goes, um, my dad just really wants to meet you. And, and he wants you to stay for dinner before we go. Is that okay? And he goes, okay. You know, he's a little nervous. And he goes in and they sit at the table. And the dad looks at him. Said, hey, young man. I think you ought to pray before we eat. So now he's all tense. Bows his head and he starts praying. And he prays and he prays and he prays. I mean, long prayer, big words, everything you can imagine getting out. And finally he gets the end of the prayer and he says, amen. And the girl looks at him all impressed and she leans over and says, I, I had no idea how religious you are. And he looked at her and said, I had no idea your dad's the pharmacist. <laughs> so you need to know who you're talking to is the point. 
<laughs> yeah, when you're talking to somebody, you need to know who you're talking to. You probably have heard what happened that, that Ann Sullivan was brought in to help Helen Keller. Uh, for years, no one realized the amazing mind that existed inside her body. Blind, deaf, and mute, no one had any way to cross over and reach her. But Ann Sullivan did. She not only helped her live an amazing life, but Ann Sullivan reached into who she was and discovered her and her heart and her mind and amazing soul. And she began to just not only teach her the, the, how to communicate, but about life in general. And one day, after a period of time of her working with her and doing sign language on her hand and getting her to really understand not only what it meant, but how to communicate back, they were, went outside and she hit a pump and Helen Keller held her hands under the water. And, and while she's letting it wash over her and experiencing the sensation of this nice, cool water, Ann Sullivan takes her hand and, 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 and asks her, do you know who made the water? And Helen Keller said, I think so. And then Ann Sullivan began to talk to her about God. And, and as she's talking with her, Helen Keller is getting more and more excited until finally she signs back this phrase. She says, I always knew him. I just didn't know his name. Now, I think that's pretty incredible. We always knew him, but I didn't know his name. Now, I want you to know something. God wants you to know him. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. Jesus said that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, 3. That's what Jesus said. Life is all about. God wants you to know him, and God wants you to know that he loves you, and God has created you so you would love him back. And, and you live life best when you do that. But here's what I want you to know. God wants you to know him so well, he wants you to be on a first name basis with him. And I want to have you think about that. Are you on a first name basis with God? See, God is not his name. God is what he is. He is God. He's the only God, but that's not his name. And I've told you before, you know, sometimes I'll be out and a non-Christian finds out I'm a pastor and they're like, oh, I am so sorry because I use God's name in vain. And I'll look at him and go, no, you didn't. And they'll go, yeah, I did. I said God blank, which by the way, you shouldn't do. You shouldn't do that. But, but I said that's not his name. That's not his name. And it doesn't make it okay to do that, but the good news is they weren't using his name. You see, my wife Pam is a woman, but that's not her name. You know, every now and then I'll go, woman? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I really don't. Um, but, you know, see, that's the whole point is, is that, you know, that's not her name, but she is a woman. And, and so God is God. Now, by the way, Lord is not his name unless we're using it with capital L-O-R-D for his name. We'll get into that in a second. But Lord actually more is a title. King of kings is a title. Uh, uh, the idea that Jesus Christ, the word Christ is not his last name. It, it's, it's the word for Messiah. Jesus is Messiah. That's a title. Now, now, in saying that, see, what I want you to grab is, is God wants you to know his name. He wants you to treasure his name. Jesus even said this. He said in Matthew 6, verse 9, when you pray, pray this way. Say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The idea of hallowed means holy, special, incredible. You see, when, when a name has uh, an intimacy to it, which, by the way, God wants an intimate relationship with you, his name becomes intimate, then, then it ought to be treated in a very special way. I, I really do love my wife, Pam, so much. And the word Pam or Pamela, man, already ha has just a ring to it to me. And, and I love that. Um, God loves it when you treasure his name. And, and God, by the way, 
uh, has more than one name that he wants you to use to relate with him with. That, that would not be any different than you and I. Almost all of us have more names than just our given name. Uh, for instance, uh, my given name is Chuck, and, and a lot of people relate to me by calling me Chuck. Uh, but I'm also uh, um, uh, a father, so I have two sons that call me dad. And man, I love that name. I love it when I hear one of them say dad. And, and it, even if it's followed with dad, I need money. I still like that name. Um, but then many of you know, because I just talk about it all the time, that I got another name that I love, and it's Papa. I mean, I love the name Papa. My granddaughters who are in Syracuse, New York, call on the phone, Papa, or I call them, or when I see them, man, I got, and almost nothing lights me up more than Papa, and, and I love it. I look at Liam, my grandson, and I cannot wait for him to say that word, Papa. Matter of fact, I am working so hard with him, I'm always getting him going, Papa, Papa. I have a goal that he'll say Papa before Mama or Dada, and, uh, <laughs> but I love that name. And then uh, I got another name that I love and treasure. It's Guck. Uh, I, I understand how that came about, Chuck, Guck. But Noah, uh, my godson, who I just love to death, and, and, and Noah uh, started calling me Guck. And now his sister, Maya, does. And I like Maya does it. And she goes, Guck. You know, and, uh, and I love that. And then the other day, I'm walking along, and Charles and Nadia's little boy screams out to me, his Aaron is his name. And he goes, Gah! And all of a sudden, you know, I got excited because what happens, that means I'm getting through with, with Aaron and, and, and getting closer to him, you know, and Caleb. And, and, and maybe, maybe it's better if you see it. Let, let me have you see it, and then you'll understand where I'm going. Hey, what's up, Chuck? Just kidding, Guck. <laughs> so anyway, you know, the whole idea is that, you know what, is God wants you to relate to him in different ways like that. He wants to be your Abba Father. I mean, that, that's incredibly uh, cherished by God that you would see him that way and experience that with him. Uh, but, but he also wants you to know his name. And there ought to be different times that you use the name based on, on how he's going to relate in your life and what you expect. God desires that with us. And with Moses, he began to share that. Exodus chapter 3, if you're there, look at verse 13, and look what he says. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Now, I think that's kind of interesting because uh, I, I don't know that that's the first thing I would have thought people would say. You know, if I walked up to you and said, man, I, I got to tell you something. I had a dream last night and God spoke to me. Here's the message. I don't think you're going to go, what's his name? And, and nobody ever asked that question except Moses. Why did Moses ask that? Why is it so important to him? And here's the reason. Moses wants to know God. I mean, he is so caught up in this moment, and it's the beginning of an amazing relationship that grows and grows and grows. When all of us first became Christian, we were born again, and, and in a very real way, we were baby Christians. And then as our relationship with the Lord grows, we get to know him better and better and experience him on, on better levels of communication, and just like a, a baby growing does, you know, with their parents or grandparents. And, and God did that with Moses. Way over in Exodus chapter 33, it says that God will speak, speaks to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Now, can you imagine that? When God and Moses talked, it was like 
Two friends talking. It was so incredible. And then, right after it says that in Exodus 33, God begins to say to Moses, what do you want from me? And I'll tell you, I was a little surprised the first time I read this because here's what he wants. He says, I want to know you better. I want to know you better. Now, Moses already knows God's name. He already is speaking face-to-face to a friend, but he says, that's not enough. I want to get to know you better and better and better. And, and because God is that wonderful and that uh, incredible and intriguing, and, 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 and to be with someone who loves like that, and, and to, to really have the relationship grow, there's nothing better than that. And so Moses says, well, if they ask me, what's your name? What am I going to say? I want to know who you are. I want to know your name. I want to know you is what he's saying. And then God God begins to tell him in verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. Now, uh, uh, the, the scribes, to protect the name of God and to make sure it was never misused, decided not to write the, the, the vowels that go with it. So when we read this in Hebrew, what we see is, the, what I'm going to transliterate it, Y-H-W-H. Uh, uh, in other words, that, that's what God's name is to us, Y-H-W-H. Uh, and there's probably three different choices you have in pronunciation. One is Yahweh, the other is Yahweh, uh, another one is Jehovah. All three would be very accurate to what God says here. The, the exact meaning of it is I am who I am. Uh, in other words, I was never created by anyone. I am self-existing. I am the creator, but I was not created I am eternal. I exist outside of time. Present is something I always am in the midst of because time doesn't bind me. But, but the idea here is God says, that's my name. I am who I am, or Jehovah, or Yahweh, or Yahweh. And, and he says, this is my name. But notice what he goes on to say about that. He says this in verse 15. God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. God said, I'm giving a gift to you. A gift where you can come to know me. And I want you to know the name I'm about to give you is a memorial name. In other words, it's treasured, it's special, it's incredible. And it should be for all generations to have it and to know it and to treasure it. It's for you and me to merely enter into a position with God where we know him so well, we're on a first name basis with him. And, and, and living that and experiencing that, incredible things happen. And, and God wants to have that occur. And, and, and he loves it when you use his name. He loves it when you worship his name. Uh, the name of God is a big deal. By the way, do you remember what it says? Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Uh, the fact that we would know his name and call out to him is how we enter into salvation. And so the name of God is major. And again, Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, when we take the name of God and we begin to use it, God also has given us some, some parts of it to help us understand more and more how he relates. For instance, in Exodus chapter 17, if you have your Bibles, turn over there. Uh, Moses has just uh, been a part of an amazing victory. What happened is the children of Israel got into a battle with the Amalekites, and, and Moses stood and raised his hand and praised to God, and whenever his hands were raised, they won. And whenever his hands dropped, they started to lose. And so eventually they're holding up Moses' hands. And when it's all over, they win this amazing battle. And God talks to Moses and said, I want you to tell Joshua something. And look what it says in verse 14. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amulek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. But the actual Hebrew is Jehovah Nisai. He named it Jehovah Nisai, the name of God. And he says, the Lord Jehovah is our banner. Now what is a banner? Well, back in those days when you were getting ready to go out into battle, the banner carrier would go first, charging ahead. And guess what God is saying to you? God says, I want to be Jehovah Nisai to you. I want to charge ahead for you. I want to give you a victory you could never get. I want to give you a conquest that you would not be able to grab hold of on your own. I want to be there for you in those tough times. And so maybe some of you right now are facing a time where you need Jehovah Nisai. You need God who loves you and cares for you to be with you, but to go and, and fight the battle with you, to protect you, to surround you, and you may need that desperately. You know, we hit times like that in our life, those moments where, man, it's so hard and so scary and our stomachs are turning in knots and, and, and we're not sure what's going to happen. And God says, well, you know what? Let go of the worry, let go of the anxiety, and, and let me be Jehovah Nisai for you. And so you might pray that way. Years ago, uh, matter of fact, almost 20 years ago now, it might have been more than that, I uh, was a youth pastor at Christ Church of the Valley in San Dimas, and uh, Pam and I uh, had the joy of uh, being used by God to touch the life of a, a girl named Joanne Sawyer back then. She's now Joanne Long, and she's a part of the Crossroads family. She married Mike Long's son, Chris, so she's Mike's daughter-in-law. A wonderful, I, I love Joanne to death. She's just special to us. But we watched her come to know Christ, and we watched her be a, a student at Azusa, or Azusa High School. And so uh, uh, she just was a, a very on-fire girl back then, even as today. Man, she was witnessing like crazy, really trying to reach people for the Lord. And one night, I'm in a Wednesday night Bible study, and she comes running up to me so excited. She goes, Chuck, Chuck, I've got incredibly great news. And I said, what is it? She goes, you're going to debate my biology teacher. I said, what? And she goes, oh, yeah, aren't you excited? I'm like, no. What, what happened? And what happened is her, her teacher, whenever he would teach about evolution, she would raise her hands and start arguing with him. And he finally said to her, where are you hearing this from? And she said, my youth pastor. And he goes, your youth pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. And Joanne said, he'll debate you. And he goes, all right, have him come. We'll bring it on. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and then, uh, and Joanne's got a date. He wants to have you here then. And he, like, I'm like, you didn't even ask. And she's so excited. Well, then I'm talking to somebody else and they go, ooh, hey, I know him. Man, that guy is smart. I'm like, oh, great. And then I find out that he actually studied under Francis Crick, the founder of the DNA molecule. And I'm like, oh, man. So, now I, I, I mean, here's the thing. I think, okay, God, I really believe our side. I really do. But you know what? I'm about to go in and debate a guy who's got his master's degree, going to get his PhD, who's sharp, who's done this for years, who that's the only thing he pours himself into. And I thought, Lord, I don't want to stand up in front of that class and look like an idiot. Not for me. I don't want to have those kids lose their faith. And so now I'm just seeing, I'm like, oh man. And they're all excited and people are going, can I get a pass to go and watch? And, and I'm like, you got to be kidding. And so I'm studying like crazy. I got to be honest, my, my stomach's in knots. I lay in bed at night just picturing myself getting butchered and... Uh, and then, then I thought after a few days of this, I can't live like this anymore. I mean, I've still got about a week and a half. And, and I said, Lord, I just got to let go. Well, I had just been studying. And I thought, this is a battle. It's a very real battle. 
And, and God, the good news is, is that I know ahead of time, I don't know enough, but I know you do. And I know that you and I are a majority in that class. And so, God, I am going to call on you as Jehovah Nisai to go ahead of me into this. I mean, I, I, if I get killed, I get killed, but I'm going to go with everything I've got, but God, I'm going to go with you. And I'm going to believe you're going to be there. I believe you're going to do something. And I got to tell you, I was laying there at night praying that, and it just went away. All the worry, all the concern. And I was like, not overconfident, certainly not that, but just going, okay, this is God. And I'm doing this with him. And I've got to go there getting ready to see what God's going to do. And so what happened is, is, is I come walking up to the class that day. And i got to be honest, I wasn't worried at all. And I'm walking up and he's waiting for me outside. And he walks up, very nice man. And he said, hey, um, last night I was thinking about this. And I decided, you know, I, I speak to these kids every single day for the school year. And it doesn't seem fair to me for me to take half the time in the class and debate you. I think what would be fair is for you just to go ahead and take all of the time and you share whatever you want to share. And then I'll ask questions when it's over. What do you think of that? I was like, I love that idea. Man, I, I really did. I thought that's even better. So you know what is I go in and I got to be honest. And Joanne was here today. She, she would agree with this. It went awesome. I'm not kidding. I mean, the kids were laughing at my jokes. I know some of you can't believe that, but they were. And, 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 and they were into it and asking questions. And at one point, I made a statement, and they even go, oh. And, and I had found this cool quote by Francis Crick that said that anybody who understands the complexity of the DNA molecule knows that there's no way it could happen by accident. And I shared that, and I looked over at him. He goes, that's right, Dr. Crick said that. And I'm like, oh, you know, and, and so we're, you know, going. And when it's over... He goes, uh, he stands up and he says, huh. He says, I want to tell you guys something that I don't agree with everything Chuck said. But if the reason you have for believing in creationism is what he shared today, then I'll respect you. And I was like, oh, you know, and, and you know what? It was the Lord. It was the Lord. And, 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 and I want to tell you, God loves to do that for you. You know, uh, uh, not uh, too long ago, I, there was a huge conflict issue coming up, and, and, and some people were going at it, and I thought, God, this is a battle, but we need to see peace in it. And, and so I prayed that God would be the Jehovah Nisai in this moment, and we walked in, and man, something turned and changed. And, and apologies start coming in, and I'm going, this is so good. God loves to do that. He loves to be your Jehovah Nisai. By the way, he also does love to be your peace. Gideon and Judges, if you want to flip over there, Judges chapter 6. Gideon is going to call on God as his Jehovah Shalom. Now, I know most of you in here already know what Shalom is. It's the word peace. But the idea here is this, is that, that, that Gideon is living in a time where he is scared to death. The children of Israel are being uh, uh, tormented and butchered to the point that some of them have gone and hidden in the hills and are living in caves. Uh, Gideon doesn't know how to provide for his family. He just barely can make it. And when he does, whatever he has gets robbed and taken away from him. And so he's scared and he's alone and he doesn't know how he's going to feed his family. And then all of a sudden an angel appears to him when he's sneaking around trying to get some more food together. And the angel says to him, hail mighty warrior. And he's hiding out. And he looks over and he it can't be me. And, and the angel says, yeah, you're going to lead the, the children of Israel to, in a battle. And, and he's going, well, wait a minute. First of all, we're not armed and, and none of us are soldiers. And, and, and he's being told, no, no, you're going to go against one of the most 
incredible armies of our day, and you're going to fight against them, and you're going to win. And what I want you to do is to blow a trumpet and call everybody to battle. And the minute he blows that trumpet, man, they're going to mark him for death. And what happens is this. It says that in Judges chapter 6, 24, then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and he named it Jehovah Shalom. Now, I know that probably this gets me more than it's getting you right now, but I just want you to let this kind of soak in. He hasn't even blown the trumpet. He hasn't had one person say, I'll come and be with you. He hasn't fought the battle yet. And yet, still, with every problem in front of him, and the problem's actually for sure going to get bigger, he says this, I don't know how, I don't know why, but I've got peace. God, you're my peace. Jehovah, you're my peace. He knows his name, and he knows who he is to him, and all of a sudden, peace is being ushered into his life. And I want to tell you that, that that's what God does so often. So often, prior to the answer, he gives you peace. Prior to the situation being handled, he gives you peace. And, and, and sometimes in your life, you might say, God, I, I need you to be my Jehovah Shalom. I, I need peace right now. Paul said that, that when we are in a situation, we should not be anxious or worry about anything. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says this. He said, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Now, now, God wants to be the peacemaker in your life, but he also wants to be the peace giver in your life, and he wants to be a Jehovah Shalom. Uh, another word that I love is the idea of Jehovah Mekadesh. Uh, uh, what does that mean? It, it means that it's the Lord who sanctifies you. God wants to make you feel special. God wants you to be special. To God, you are amazingly special. And uh, what happens is it says in verse 12 of Exodus 31, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. The literal there is that you may know I am Jehovah Mekadesh. I am the one who makes you feel special. Now, I want to just try to drive that home to you. To God, you're incredible. To God, you're amazing. God looks at you and he thinks you're the most wonderful thing that he could ever have created. And God loves being with you and spending time with you. God cares about you. He's proven it by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. By the way, the word Jesus literally means Jehovah will save us from our sins, the greatest name of all. But why did he send Jesus to die? Because he loves you. And you matter to him. And, and you know, there might be times in life, you know, you look in the mirror and go, oh, man, you know, I'm not that handsome or I'm overweight or, or I'm, and you know what? God doesn't see you that way. He sees you as beautiful and incredible and desirable. And, and it really is true that God has nothing better to do than spend time with you because you're that important to him. You know, I, I, I know that, I, I, I find that feeling of how God feels about me and you every time I grab one of my grandkids. When I've got Liam in my arms, I mean, that's what matters to me. Uh, uh, you know, every Sunday, they, I, I usually go Friday and Saturday not seeing him and I can't wait till Sunday to get my hands on him. Well, I don't know if you haven't caught it. God feels that way about you. And there's nothing you could do to change that. There's nothing you could do to cause him not to love you. 
Man, his love literally is amazing. And, and if you could understand how valuable and incredible and amazing you are to God, you would understand something else. You really, really, really are special. You're special. And God would love for you to use that name. Jehovah Makedesh. God, you're the one who makes me special because I love the way you love me. I love the way you care about me. I love the way you want to be with me, and I want to be with you that way. And then another name I love is Jehovah Jireh. You know, you heard that prayed today. It literally means uh, uh, God will see before my need. It it means the provider. Uh, uh, Jehovah is my provider, but the word provider literally means to see before your need. He sees the need, and he sees what's coming, and and he, he wants to take care of it for you. Uh, he wants to be a provider. And, and you know, that's God's great desire for you. Um, my wife, Pam, I don't know if any other women are like this. My wife, Pam, uh, she's not a real needy person. But the one thing she hates and detests is having to put gas in the car. I don't know why that is, but boy, that just like, oh. And so, you know what? If I really want to get her, I'll go out and check her car and realize it's about to you know, need gas. And I'll sneak out and put gas in it. And she'll go, oh, Chuck. She goes, I forgot to get gas. I'm going to have to. And I go, oh, no, I got it for you. She's like, oh. And she's all excited and hugging me. And she feels like, you know, I could take a bullet for her and she wouldn't be as excited as that. And, but if I look ahead, that's because I care. God sees ahead because he cares. Now, should we pray? Yes. Yeah, the, the Bible says in James 4, too, the number one reason for not having our prayers answered is we never pray them. You have not because you ask not. But now think about this. God says something else. He says, I love you so much. I care about you so much. I'm watching before the situation arises to meet it. I'm Jehovah Jireh to you. I love this verse in Isaiah chapter 65, 24. It says this, it will come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. Before you ever call out, God might already start answering. Why? Because he's Jehovah Jireh. Uh, Pam and I, when we were first married, uh, I had two friends who were just awesome Christians, still are to this day. But none of us had kids back then. And man, we were all sold out for the Lord. And, And these two people were school teachers. And so they came up with this pretty cool idea. They decided that they were going to get this old VW van, and that summer while they were off, they were just going to travel the country ministering in the name of the Lord. And and they might just drive into a place and see if they could witness, uh, but they definitely were going to this Navajo reservation where they were going to minister on a reservation with some children there, and they were going to go to a church that needed help with BBS, and they were just going to drive all over. Well, they were so excited for it uh, until they started driving along, and they realized that the air conditioner didn't work, and a lot of what they were going to do was in the southwest in the summer. So you can imagine that. So they've only been gone about, I don't know, three or four weeks, and the wife has had it. I mean, sleeping in the van's not comfortable. It's dirty. I mean, they're almost out of money. They had decided, you know what, if, if we're just going to pray that somehow God will provide. And so she's hungry, and she feels like she's dirty, and she's not sure she's going to get any joy out of the next days ahead. And so she starts to complain. And her husband, who's the most optimistic guy you've ever met in your life, he's driving along and she's just going, you know, this is wrong and that. So he looks at her and goes, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm miserable. And he goes, why are you miserable? We're serving God. I mean, this couldn't be better. I mean, and then he hit her that line. Think about what a lot of other people don't have. What we, and she's like, oh, you know. And, and then he goes, what do you think you need so badly? And she goes, you know what? We don't have any toilet paper. Do you realize, we're we're so down, we don't even have toilet paper. And he looked at her and he goes, did you ask God for toilet paper? 
She goes, I'm not going to ask God for toilet paper. He goes, I think you should. She goes, that's silly. He goes, ask God. She goes, okay, Father, I, I pray that you would give us toilet paper. And he's laughing. He goes, how do you feel? She goes, silly. He goes, what else do you want? She goes, I don't know. He goes, why don't you ask God? You haven't asked God for any of these things. And, not, and, and so she goes, okay. She goes, Lord, I really pray that I could have a shower. A shower would make me feel so much better. And Lord, if I could have, I really would love steak for dinner. And, and so he says, all right. That's what you asked for, God. You want toilet paper, a shower, and steak. Well, they've driven about three or four more miles, and it's on a freeway, but there's not a lot of traffic. But he sees a big box in one of the lanes. This, by the way, really, really happened. He pulled over, runs out there to pull it out of the way so no one will hit it. But when he grabs it, it's, it's lighter than he thought it would. And he looks, it's a carton of toilet paper. <laughs> and he drags it over and goes, look what God gave you. And she's like, what? And it is, it's a big carton of toilet paper. And, and he's going, it's the Lord. And she goes, it must have fallen off a truck and the guy's going to miss it. We need to find him. And he goes, all right, we'll go. But if we don't find him, then it's ours and God gave it to us. So they drive to the next off ramp and they pull off. There's no truck there. Nobody's looking. Well, he starts to put gas in the VW van and they hear somebody call their name. And they turn around, and, and it's a couple who goes to church with them, but it's a retired couple, and they had just retired, and they wanted to travel the country in their motorhome, and they yell to him, oh my gosh, we can't believe we ran into you guys here. And the husband goes, you got to come see our new motorhome. He goes, I got this, the greatest thing ever. And he goes, you know the best thing in the motorhome? And she goes, what? He goes, the shower. A lot of motorhomes don't have good, this has got a great shower. He goes, you got to take a shower. And she looks at him and he goes, I know that sounds weird. She goes, no, doesn't sound weird. And so, you know, she goes and she's now, she shot when she opens the door of the shower, guess what? She smells cooking. Steak. Yeah. And they just go, I, we don't know why. We thought out extra steak, hoping we'd bump into somebody. Now, God saw all the needs ahead of time. And by the way, I got to tell you, I think all, many, many, many of us could tell story after story like that, how God meets our needs. And by the way, I think very often he does it like that because it's funny. And I think he just laughs. But you know what is, is he cares. Uh, Greg and Angela Lindsay are two people that are very, very close to Pam and I, and actually quite a few of our staff. And uh, Greg and Angela were uh, in a real tough point in their lives. Angela especially felt like that a lot of the uh, emotional um, relationships that had really fed into who she was were just being taken away. And, and she started wondering if she mattered. It was hard, I mean, to the point that she would feel a little empty. I mean, and, and she, even though she loved her husband and her kids, and she was, it was just missing so much that it hurt. Then they hit a place where they had to make a decision. And if they went this way, then she really believed that she could see that all the emotional things were going to be put back in because by making this change, she would go to a place where she was loved and cared for and, and, and it just seemed to be the answer to her prayer. And if they went this way, she just really didn't think that that was going to be met. But she also knew that they could do great ministry. And, and so what happened is they began to pray and pray and pray. And as this decision started rising up, man, she was heartbroken. And I remember she looked at me and she said, well, if that's what God wants, then that's what I want. I want to do whatever God wants, but I guess I'll be okay. I guess I'll make it. And I said, Angela, I know God doesn't want you to just make it. There's got to be more of an answer. There's got to be something else or, or something. And she goes, no, I'll, 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 you know what? If this is what God wants, I'll make it. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, a lot of us started praying and praying, and, and then her answer came, but not in the way I expected 
uh, it became obvious they had to choose this decision. So that particular night, it hurt so badly, she started to cry. And she's walking down the hallway and looks in uh, Joshua, her little boy's room, and he's asleep. And she walks in and she looks at him. And uh, he looks so peaceful. So she laid down next to him and she thought, I'm just going to be still before God. And she started to cry. And, and she's just, God, I, this hurts. And she said, God spoke. And God said these words. He said, Angela, who am I to you? And she laid there, and so she started saying, you're my Savior, you're, you're my Lord, you're my Father. And she's talking about all the wonderful things about who God is. And then she kind of exhausted it, and she's laying there real quiet, and then she hears this. I am your provider, and I will provide for you. She already knew right away what that was. You're my Jehovah Jireh. You will provide. I'm not going to be left out. And in that moment, she said, a peace came, and she knows beyond a shadow of a doubt before the answer comes that God will take care of her because that's what he does. Now, I'm not telling you he'll do it immediately. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you almost for sure he won't. I have an opinion, and this is, I think, what I'm right about. I think one reason God doesn't give us an answer quickly is because we wouldn't pray. When you and I have a problem, we're probably really good at praying. And I think God's going, well, I'm going to answer that, but I'm enjoying the time together too much. Because God loves you, but he does answer. The answer comes in the right time, in the right way, and usually something beyond what we expect, but it comes. And it comes because we're in a relationship with him where we're on a first name basis. It comes because you have access to him as a father, as a dad. It comes because he couldn't love you more than he does. And I want to tell you right now that if you aren't experiencing that love, he wants you to. He wants you to know him personally. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you would open the door, I would come in and I would share in deep, intimate fellowship with you. And you will with me. In other words, it's supposed to be very, very real, the relationship you have with God. And he wants to have it with you so that it literally is amazing to be loved by him that way. And it's transforming. And he cleanses us. And he frees us. And he guides us in a life that's incredible. And right now today, if you're not experiencing that, let me tell you, he wants it for you. He wants it for you. And how do you get it? Well, you call on the name of the Lord. You call out and say, I want you to be the one who saves me. I want you to be the one who takes me and loves me. I want, I want to say yes to you in your life. And, and by the way, if you've never done that before, we're going to go to our prayer time right now. And if, if you want this, if you want to have this in your life, then what you'll need to do is I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper a prayer with me where you call out to God. Now, I also want you to know that maybe, maybe at some point you were close to God, but today you're not. I mean, you at one time might have said that prayer in a minute and started out well, but something's derailed you. Well, and I want you to know he wants you back. And God looks at you as a child who's wandered away, and he loves you and he wants you back. And if you would take a step towards him, he's going to run to you. And today, if you need to come back to God, I'm going to ask you while we're praying to pray that prayer too. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, I ask and pray right now, that every single one of us would know how much you love us and care for us and how much you want to share life with us. And you have lives for us to live that are amazing and want to guide us in it. You are our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are our Jehovah Shalom, our peace. 
You're Jehovah Mekadesh. God, when I get loved by you and we get loved by you, we realize we're special. And I pray right now, if there's someone here who's not sensing how special they are, how valuable they are, how much they matter, I hope they open their heart to you right now and let your love come in and just drive all those lies away. I pray right now for a person who's sitting here and they're so worried and their worry won't change anything and they can't see what to do. And I pray you'd be Jehovah Shalom, their peace. So I, I ask that we would know you. I ask right now that your Holy Spirit would come and move in this room. And that you would touch anybody right now who needs to say yes to you and needs to give their life to you. Or they need to come back. May they sense deep down inside, this is for them. I'm going to ask that we keep praying and I'm about to lead that prayer. But I want to ask you to think about this. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Because he wants to know you. Okay, all of you that God's touching, even if I'm oh, way up there for you, praise the Lord. All of you that God's touching, let's just whisper this prayer together. Just say these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to make me alive, and to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say yes, I want this, and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love, and fill me with your spirit, and help me be who you created me to be, and to live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, praise God for all of you who prayed that prayer. Praise the Lord.